Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. This is your host, Will DeWitt, and first off, I just want to thank all the listeners who reached out with some really good feedback about that brand new intro, and I'm glad that it's been received rather well. A lot of people ask, like, is it symbolic? Are you trying to move on from the you know 1985 to the 2018, the new era? Yeah, and I just wanted to match the intensity that the Bears defense has been playing with, so that's kind of the goal behind that as well. So we're getting closer to action. There's only four days between now and the game down in Miami, and that means it's time for our Week 6 preview show. To help me preview the upcoming game against the Miami Dolphins in its entirety, I have both of my Bears brothers here with me, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. Guys, in a couple days, we're going down to Miami. You excited? Are the bags packed? You ready to go? What's going on? Uh, No, the bags are not packed, but yes, I'm excited, uh, obviously, to go. And it really just topped the whole day off when I found myself on Google Maps today. So, like, that was really cool. (laughs) You want to tell everyone the address? Uh, I don't remember it off the top of my head. I think it's 684 South Weber in Romeoville, Illinois. Yeah, Something close to that. I'm around in the back of the building standing on top of a dumpster waving at the, the Google map. So you can find <laughs> me there. <laughs> Brandon's now Google map famous. But Nick, you excited? You get to Miami a few hours before you know we do, which of course I'm a little bit jealous. But you you ready to go? This is going to be a really fun trip. I cannot wait. And we woke up today. It was a lot colder than it was yesterday. It was like 30 degrees here in Illinois. So going to Miami for the weekend, hopefully it's nice weather. That's going to be much needed. And again, we're going to this Bears game. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of fans there. It's going to be a great time. I cannot wait. Yeah, we've been planning this trip since April. And I can't believe it's finally here because when we started this in April, which is like six months ago, it felt like 
a lifetime away. And now it's here. Uh, we're going to go with over 30 uh, fans uh, specifically with us. And then, of course, there's another handful of fans who want to meet us at the game as well. So super exciting. And the Bears get to wear those Superfly orange jerseys. We have some orange shirts that kind of go with it. Let's see if I can show it and also speak. So we got some shirts that kind of go with this event as well. So it's a very exciting time uh, for us this weekend. And I'm excited to do our first ever official road trip to a game with some fans as well. So it's, again, just can't wait for it all to kind of happen. So just a couple days, but we still have a game to preview. So let's go ahead and just dive right in. You guys ready? Let's do it. Awesome. So let's go ahead and begin this week's preview by taking a look at the Bears offense. It's going to be going up a against a Dolphins defense that has played decent, but not overly great so far this season. And just to give some love to the big guys up front, I thought it'd be neat if we went a little bit unorthodox this week and started our offensive conversation about the O-line. I'm sure that makes Brandon rather happy, does it be? It does. I was I not expecting that. I figured it would. So the Bears offensive line, it's a unit that's been playing sound all season long. In fact, Chicago, they have given up the least pressures in the entire league this season with 19. Granted, they've played four games. The vast majority of teams have played five, but even their 4.75 uh, pressures allowed per game ranks right up with uh, right up there with some of the best teams in the league. So really, no matter where you look at the line, uh, you have to be pleased with results, whether it's another progression out of Charles Leno Jr., who seems to be taking steps each season. Cody Whitehair seemed to get his snap issues under control. Kyle Long back to playing at an elite level. And even Bobby Massey, he's looking the best that he has in a Bears uniform. The offensive line in many ways, is a strength of this team. Now, this week, they're going to be going up against a Dolphins defense that has a hard time taking down opposing quarterbacks. Their eight sacks in the season is tied for the third least in the league. But don't make that uh, have you assume that they have a hard time generating pressure because they do have 77 total pressures on the year. So even though they haven't hit home a ton, they do put some heat on quarterbacks, especially the edge guys like Cameron Wake, Robert Quinn. Uh, combined, they have 27 of the team's pressures. Now, the offensive line, again, tough task uh, this week in terms of protecting Trubisky. We all know who plays better with a clean pocket. Um, but personally, I feel like this offensive line, they're going to be up for the challenge. Uh, looking at the matchups up front, which ones are you worried about and any that you're confident in? And, of course, we have to start in Mr. Trenches. One thing I'm really going to be looking for in this matchup with the offensive line, and I don't know how much this trend's going to continue. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Continue, because when I was listening to one of the Dolphins podcasts, they were saying... Uh, that they blitzed last week against the Bengals like almost 50% of the time, which is like unheard of. So I don't know how much that trend's going to continue, uh, but that's something we definitely have to watch out for. And the, the defensive line, they run a lot of stunts. That's how they were able to get to Andy Dalton a couple times. It's where they get a lot of their pressures because offensive linemen have to shift their responsibilities. Uh, so just keeping uh, your feet moving and your eyes up to pick up the next guy on the stunt move is really going to be really going to be important. As far as individual matchups, there's not one that I'm really looking at because there's not one that uh, – really stands out there's not a I mean the defensive linemen for Miami don't have a whole lot of sacks as a collective unit so there's not one guy that really scares me it's really uh I think I said this against Tampa Bay where it was gonna have to be a team effort for them from their defensive line to be able to get to Trubisky and it didn't work and I think it's gonna have to be something similar here 
uh, a team effort. We're going to see a lot of stunt moves, potentially more blitzes. They're going to try and find a way to get your biscuit uncomfortable. And I think that uh, the stunt moves, uh, blitzes up the middle, are going to be kind of things that we should expect to see. But there's not one individual matchup that really scares me a whole lot. What about you, Nick? What are your thoughts in terms of the battles in the trenches? You know, there's a, a guy by the name of Vincent Taylor for the Miami Dolphins who's shown some flashes throughout the season so far. He's still, I think, only in year two right now. So he's still a young player, but he's shown some some progression of being able to disrupt plays, especially in the backfield. So that's one of the guys that obviously in the interior you're going to go up against Cody Whitehair, Kyle Long, and those guys. And whether it's Josh Sitton or if it's, say, you know, maybe a James Daniels this game. So we'll have to wait and see. Or Eric Cush, sorry, Josh Sitton. He's on the other you. side on IR right now. Uh, playing the same position but those are that's a matchup that I'm going to be looking out for and also Robert Quinn right now I think he's gotten good pressures he hasn't gotten to the quarterback very much but he's been a good asset for that Dolphins uh, team right now and like you said they haven't gotten to the quarterback but that doesn't mean they're not necessarily getting a lot of pressures so they can get there just haven't got there very often now you kind of alluded to my next question for you Nick and it's about James Daniels I want to know what do you expect out of him this week because all signs are pointing to him having a more of expanded role and all signs might be pointing to him starting. Uh, Eric Cush has been limited uh, all practice this week with a neck issue. Uh, So James Daniels, of course, has been practicing in his place. They kind of eased him into it a couple weeks ago against Tampa Bay. So say James Daniels has to go out there and start play the entire game. What would you expect? I mean, he's just a guy that regardless uh, of whether he plays a few snaps like he did against that Buccaneers game a couple weeks ago or if he plays the entire game, I know he's going to know his assignments and play him to the best of his ability. That's just who James Daniels is. That's what he did at Iowa. That's what he did when he came in for limited action against the Buccaneers. So I wouldn't think he's a liability on that offensive line. We all thought that maybe he should have been the starter from day one. But if he does have to give it a go, be the day, you know, the starter for this game, I'm fully confident that he's going to be able to play the position to the best of his ability and the way Nagy wants him to, you know, play in this offense, whether he's pulling, just getting to the second level, or just making a blocking lane for Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen. I think James Downs is definitely capable of that. All right. So you're just leading into things. I love it. You're like foreshadowing (laughs) everything I want to talk about today. And Looking at the Bears' ground game, obviously we need to see improvement from the line in terms of generating some push, moving the pile, um, but we also just need to see improvement from the Bears' ground attack you know, all across the board. You know, On the year, looking at Miami, they've given up 109 yards per game on the ground and four rushing touchdowns, which is about middle of the pack. Uh, just two weeks ago, they gave up nearly 170 yards on the ground to the New England Patriots. Now, speaking of 170 yards, that reminds me of a guy named Tariq Cohen. He's coming off a game in which he had over 170 yards from scrimmage, while Jordan Howard, uh, he was only able to muster 25 yards on 11 touches. Now, there's been some grumblings that, you know, the Eagles may be interested in Howard, and Howard perhaps is frustrated with his role in the offense. And if you guys want to entertain that on the game preview pod, I'll let you have your space to do that in a minute. But I'm just kind of looking at the game. We take it game by game. And uh, just leading into it, Howard's averaging uh, about 50.8 rushing yards per game, which is, of course, a career low. And even though the Bears, uh, they have won three straight, and they're coming off a game in which the offense scored nearly 50 points, it's still discouraging that you know Jordan Howard has still been unable to really get going so far this season. So my question for you guys are: is, what are your expectations for the Bears' two backs this week? And what kind of roles do you anticipate seeing from each against that Dolphins defense and why? And let's go right back to Nick first. So I think Jordan Howard's, I think he's 
position to have a bounce back game or, you know, this first career 100 yard game. It, it's just last, uh, the matchup against the Buccaneers, it just wasn't favored for him. And that's perfectly fine. It's going to happen between each matchup where one of those running backs, one of the players in the offense is going to have a big day. And it just so happened to be three cone, but Jordan Howard, I think if you can get to the edge on this, uh, Miami dolphins defense, it just outside the tackles. I think that's where you can really utilize either one of these running backs. So um, I don't have any concerns really with how the Bears are going to block this Miami front seven because I don't think they're that good, to be completely honest. Kiko Alonso is the one guy that you got to really worry about, but I think the Bears have that covered as of right now. And Tariq Cohen is a guy like uh, James White last, uh, what was it, last two weeks ago for the New England Patriots who just went off against this Miami Dolphins defense. So I think Tariq Cohen can maybe play that similar route in the receiving game. So I think Matt Nagy is going to go into this game utilizing both of his running backs a lot more than he did in the Buccaneers game. Yeah, I was looking at that Patriots game as a really good blueprint on how the Bears can kind of, you know, replicate the success that New England had because uh, Sonny Michel, he rushed 25 times for uh, 112 yards. So, of course, being that bell cow, being that workhorse style of a back, where James White, who's able to do his damage uh, both with his feet and as a receiver, he had eight catches for 68 yards in that game, uh, primarily uh, on screens, uh, quick outside passes as well. And, and those plays in space is really where the Dolphins defense really struggled containing White. And I anticipate the same thing kind of happening with the Tariq Cohen as well, especially along the boundaries. What about you, B? Anything you want to bring up here? Yeah, I mean, I think the running game excuse me running games really struggled because kind of like passing where you when you complete the pass complete a couple and your confidence builds that's the same with running the ball once you get break off a couple three four yard runs that are really solid you're able to find the hole be able to get to that second level that's when the running game can really take off and they haven't really committed to the run a whole lot uh this year as a whole so i mean there's there's not the opportunity for jordan howard to get that confidence to be able i mean we know he's patient we know he can find the hole but doing it over and over again allowing him to be able to build that confidence is going to be big. And the offensive line also needs to have that confidence as well to be able to generate a push is something that we haven't seen a whole lot of this year yet either. Uh, but I think that, uh, Will, you kind of, well, you already talked about how the Patriots use the screen game. I think that's one that uh, the Bears could use here as well because with all these stunt moves that we're going to see, I think, from the Dolphins, uh, these younger linebackers uh, outside of Kiko Alonso, uh, there, there's going to be chances there for these guys to break off some good screens. With uh, they're, they're going to try and be aggressive, send the blitz, and the screen's the best way to uh, defend the blitz as far as you know, allowing them to cool off, not bring so many guys. It's going to cool off the stunt moves a little bit because guys can't be moving like that when the screen's going out. They're just not going to be able to get to the running back. I mean, they can do it all they want. They're just not going to get to the guy who ends up <laughs> with the ball. So. And ultimately, I think the screen for both these uh, running backs is going to be the best way to do it. I don't know how well the running game itself gets established, though. All right, good stuff. Let's go ahead and transition over to the Bears passing attack. They're coming off, of course, their most productive game of the season by a long shot. And with an extra week, it'll be interesting to see how the Bears perform down in Miami. The Dolphins' defense, though, and especially with that secondary, is no slouch. They lead the league in interceptions with 10. They allow quarterbacks to a passer rating of only 75 on the year, which is the third best in the league, and only six passing touchdowns allowed so far this year, too, which is also tied for the third best mark in the entire NFL. Now, these are some very solid numbers, and the thing is, when you're talking about the NFL and you're looking at the whole place as a landscape, you really don't hear about the Dolphins' secondary. So quite honestly, they're just a very severely underrated unit so far this season. And we'll start this discussion with Mitchell Trubisky. I want to know, what are some of the factors that are going to lead to success on Sunday against a Dolphins defense that has allowed only one quarterback to throw for more than one touchdown in a game, and his name was Tom Brady uh, this season? And, Nick, I'm going to go to you first. What are some of those factors? And it's going to be the sleeve, right? 
Oh, it has to be a sleeve. I mean, obviously he threw six touchdowns with the sleeve. It has to be a sleeve. Why he's going to throw another six? No, I'm kidding. But here's the thing. This Dolphins secondary is pretty pretty damn good when you really think about it. They lead the league in interceptions for a reason, even though some of them were gimmies. I Watching just the film of how they got those interceptions, there were some questionable throws by quarterbacks and some lucky uh, position they were in. But Mitch Trubisky just needs to be very accurate in this one. There's not going to be these wide open glaring holes that were happening in that Buccaneers game that are going to be present in this Dolphins defense because of the level of players that you now have. You have some ex pro, you have some previous pro bowlers in that secondary, and you have Minka Fitzpatrick, who's a guy I was really high on coming out of the draft this year. So they have some guys that can definitely make plays. So Mitch Trubisky needs just needs to be accurate with his throws, you know, and starts with his mechanics, his footwork, and all those, you know intangibles that just need to come into making these accurate throws. So that's what it's going to be for Mitch Trubisky, just making the accurate throws, making the right decisions and being defensive of whatever decision he's making in order to not contribute to more interceptions for this Miami Dolphins secondary, because they do have 10. Like I said, they've, they've gotten some freebies there here and there, but they are still a good secondary. What about you, B? How can Trubisky build off the bye week? I'm curious your thoughts here. You were on date night a week ago this time, so you didn't really get yes. to do the state of the bye week. So how can Trubisky build off that bye, um, and what are some of the factors that will lead to him having a successful game on Sunday? Well, to add the next point, when I was watching some of the, the Bengals tape that Miami played last week, uh, Miami played a lot of man. Uh, so Trubisky definitely has to be accurate with the ball because there's always going to be a guy there. So it really comes down to the receivers being able to help him get open be able to make those confident throws you know, Trubisky's going to have to recognize when a window's there because in man, it's not always going to be there for as long as it will be in a zone potentially. Uh, so he's, I mean, the accuracy thing is going to be big. The route running for the receivers is equally as big in this one. Uh, but I don't, I guess I'm not as worried about this, this Dolphins secondary, I guess, as you guys are. I guess I understand that, you know, I know that they lead the league in interceptions, which is something not to take lightly. But from what I seen against Cincinnati last week, I don't know if it was just a, a bad week. I mean, some of the Dolphins guys were saying, well, don't blame this loss on the defense, but they still gave up 27 points. You know, so there, there are weaknesses there, and it looked like a lot of soft man. They jam at the line, the receivers. They're going to try and throw off the timing that way and bring that pressure that we talked about earlier. Uh, but really, it's just going to come down to how well can the guys get open against this this man coverage. And we've seen Trubisky be able to, uh, I don't say shred, that's kind of a, a strong word, but be able to take advantage of man defense from time to time throughout the entirety of the year. So I'm not a, as worried, I guess, uh, with this Dolphins secondary that we're facing. No, but he did shred against Tampa Bay, and that was the yes, last sample size we have, and I'm excited to see how he can build upon that as well. Nick, real quick, what are your thoughts on uh, what Matt Nagy called a little bit earlier this week, uh, this touchdown to checkdown mentality, where you're always looking for that big play, and if not, you're going to go ahead and, you know, take that check down, take what's underneath, take what the defense gives you. But the first priority is to always be looking for that home run ball. Do you like that? I do like that because when you think about it, in that Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, that touchdown to Allen Robinson wouldn't have happened if it was the other way around, check down to touchdown, because Jordan Howard is wide open on that one corner route that Allen Robinson made. But let's say it's a vice versa. Maybe the Bears don't end up scoring a touchdown. They still probably blow out the Buccaneers. But that is a good mindset to have. He's a young quarterback. Make those – look. It's okay for Trubisky to be making mistakes. He's in a new offense. You learn from those mistakes. But if you're leaving points out on the field because you're being conservative, that's not going to help your team. You want to be able to see if you can make those throws. If your quarterback can make those accurate throws like he did in that Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, throwing that touchdown pass to Allen Robinson, I'm perfectly fine with uh, touchdown to check down that mindset because, again, that's ultimately going to maybe lead to more points. And again, it can, it depends on who your quarterback is, but I think that's a great mindset to have for a young QB. Yeah, if you're, he, like, be, go ahead, did, B. Do you have like a little asterisk by that saying, like situational pending calculated risk? 
Just think of Jay Cutler. Just think of Jay Cutler in those yeah. kind of situations. <laughs> That's when you don't want it to go touchdown, check down, just right. throw the ball away. Don't throw into triple coverage again. Come on. Or, <laughs> I mean, even if you're on the other side of the 50 and you got to wait for us to develop and the pressure's there, I mean, you got to be able to get rid of the ball. That's just kind of the point that I was going to bring well, up. Well, so, if he's sitting at his, if his back to his own you know, end zone, he's not going to be looking right. for the home run ball there. I mean, it, it could happen. That's why but... I said with the little asterisk situational calculated risk. Yeah. Okay. Fair. <laughs> But no, I agree. I love this, you know, aggressive mentality that, you know, we talked about all offseason that we're excited to see how it kind of gets implemented. And you can start seeing it a little bit. He saw it against Tampa Bay. And now that he has, you know, Trubisky has a little bit more confidence. And you better believe that his head coach, his play caller, Matt Nagy, has that as well in him to kind of take some of these shots, call these plays. So for me, I love the mentality. Can't wait to see what it can blossom into because you start hitting those throws, you're more prone to do it again next time, and the confidence builds, and when the quarterbacks play confidently, good things follow suit. So, yes, very excited about the touchdown to check down mentality here in Chicago. But let's go ahead and move right along to Trubisky's targets, and it looks like Anthony Miller is going to be able to give this thing a go. He is officially off the injury report as of about an hour and a half ago, which is, of course, very encouraging that he's going to, well, obviously he's going to be able to play this week now. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, he's coming off that huge game and is on pace to really blow out his previous career highs. It's seriously out of the water. If you look at what he's done in the past, he's already almost there. And it's only been four games. So it's really exciting to see uh, what he's turning into. Allen Robinson, he is, of course, he doesn't have the biggest of numbers. And in many ways, it is kind of career lows. But don't let that mislead you because Robinson, he's been more useful and impactful this season here in Chicago. And Trey Burton's yards per game, they have gone up each and every week so far this season. And, of course, Nick and I talked about this last week in the state of the bye week. Um, as a whole, this offense just have so many playmakers to work with. So looking at the Bears receivers, tight ends, and if you want to bring up the running backs yet again, I want to know, what matchups do you see the Bears finding a way to exploit? And are there any players that you anticipate having strong performances and why? Let's go to Nick. So I'm going to go with Trey Burton and really attacking the middle of the field, regardless of Kiko Alonso's on him or uh, I forget the other linebacker's name starts. Uh, the last name was the end, but he's still a young guy. He missed, uh, I think, his first season with an ACL tear. Um, but that middle of the field for the Dolphins has been wide open all season. I don't know what um, the exact problem is, but it seems like these linebackers are not getting deep enough in coverage or they're playing too far up to where, regardless if it's a drag route or maybe a tight end's just going on a vertical seam route it's open so I think Matt Nagy knows this I think the Dolphins know this as well but they just can't do anything about it right now with maybe the personnel that's happening because I know the secondary is very good but the interior middle of that defense there's glaring holes in it so I think Trey Burn attacking that or even Taylor Gabriel on a crossing route even throwing Tariq Cohen in there as well that's where the Bears should definitely exploit um, this Miami Dolphins defense because all season long um, you could just go back and watch the the second play of the Raiders game where Jordy Nelson, uh, who didn't do much all season up until that point, has, a, I think, an 80-yard completion and almost gets a touchdown off of it just because nobody was guarding the middle of the field. And I think a couple plays later, scores a touchdown because those linebackers didn't get enough depth. So I think that's exactly where the Bears are going to exploit this Miami Dolphins defense. Good stuff. What about you, B? I just want to ask Nick a question real quick. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, is Trey Burton your favorite player? I think every time we'll ask that question, you're just go-to answers, Trey Burton. But, I mean, for good reason. You know, it's because I had such high expectations for him coming into the season. I think I thought he was going to be the number one in targets, receptions, yards, just because of his versatility. Uh, favorite player? I don't know. That's a tough one. Maybe offense. I'll say offensively, okay. I think so. Okay. Uh, defensively, I don't think that's the right answer. Uh, okay. <laughs> so now to answer Will's question, coming back full circle here, uh, 
watching or listening to all the, the Dolphins podcasts this morning uh, at work, a lot of them were saying Tariq Cohen. We got to watch out for Tariq Cohen. So I don't think he's going to have quite the breakout game because I think that they're going to be able to key in on him and be able to make sure that they have a guy on him at all times. Uh, but they can't do both. They can't defend both Tariq Cohen and Taylor Gabriel uh, at the same time because like, they're, they practice with Jakeem Grant. Uh, he's, I think, at the bottom of the depth chart for receivers for the Dolphins, but that dude's fast. He took that punt return back last week. He's running away from people like it's no one's business. Uh, so they know how to defend the speed, but Bears have two speed guys, so they, I think they're going to have to pick either Taylor Gabriel or Tariq Cohen. I think they're going to pick Tariq Cohen just because of his versatility. They're, you know, they don't want to get burned by him regardless of where he lines up. So I think that three cones going to be a guy that the Dolphins really key on, which is going to open up the door, I think, for Allen Robinson. I think he's the guy that's going to have the, the big game in this one. He's big enough. I think early on they're going to run some of these quick slants to try and keep the Dolphins' uh, pressure at bay. And if once Allen Robinson gets established, I mean, I think it's sort of game over. I think that the Bears are going to have this, this defense figured out if they can get Allen Robinson rolling early. All right, I like that stuff, guys. Let's go ahead and take a look at third down now. The Bears are coming off a game with uh, in which they did really well in third down. They converted on 50% of their attempts against Tampa Bay, and on top of that, they did a really good job of avoiding third down altogether in that game as well. On the season, uh, the Bears they have the 12th best offense on third down. Miami, their defense, 24th in the league on, of course, third down conversions. Last week, though, they had a really decent game against the Bengals, only allowing them to convert on 18% of third down. So this year, Miami, they have the second worst defense on third and seven or more as well, allowing opponents to convert on those uh, 37.5% of the time. So usually I know the key to third down success each week is, you know, get it into third and manageable, but at least against the Dolphins, at least statistically, uh, even if it's third and seven and more, they're still allowing offenses to find a way to convert those into first downs. But when you look at third down as a whole, do you guys have any keys to success in that regard, Nick? You know, they don't have to have keys to success if they never get the third down and just get cut. No, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, it, what I've been watching, it's, it doesn't seem like um, that the Dolphins will bring a, like a unique variety of blitzes, especially on third down. I've seen it to where a couple of times they bring, uh, you know, their corners and safeties up. But I think they're just allowing their coverage and then allowing the quarterback to find the, you know, the spot in that hole in the defense. So I think it's just going to be up to Mitch making the right decisions on third down. Um you don't have to get you don't have to overcomplicate yourself on you know the money down so i think it's just up to mitch and you know the game planning that matt nagy brings on third down situations obviously i think we do expect them to blitz a little bit more being the young quarter i think that's going to happen all season for mitch but i think it's about mitch just making the right decisions on third down don't overcomplicate yourself you don't need to throw these weird formations which i think matt nagy will kind of do out of the bye week i'm expecting big things out of this offense coming out of the bye week but yeah just just making the right decisions i know that's not a very uh, elaborate answer but it could just be you know something that they just need to do to you know win the third down uh competition there i guess i mean sometimes the best answer is the simplest and most obvious answer and i think this might be a, the perfect situation because like you said um, on third down, more times than not, Miami's going to find a way to bring a little bit more pressure. So it's going to be up to Trubisky to diagnose that pressure, know where it's coming from, being able to uh, perform under pressure if there's a defender in his face to step up in the pocket, make a throw, or evade that you know that tackler, find a way to escape that, move out of the pocket, make a throw on the run, just something, some way. Uh, just don't take that sack. Don't eat it. Don't force a bad decision. Don't make a turnover because, like, you know, 10 interceptions leading the league. I mean, don't give them any freebies, as Nick was uh pointing out a little bit earlier too. So yeah, I agree. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. And of course, if it's a third and one, third and two, 
find a way to pound the rock with Jordan Howard, find a way not to get too cute with things. Uh, just be simple, run up the gut. Uh, you know, there's two strong, three strong guys in the middle. It was probably going to be James Daniels, Cody White here, Kyle Long, just get in right behind those guys and let them, you know, kind of pave the way for Jordan Howard to convert on those third and obviously short. Uh, B, uh, I want to know, is there anything in your notes that we haven't mentioned that you want to bring up? Really just protecting the ball. I don't know if, if third down, I'll just stick with the third down thing here. I don't know if third downs coined the the momentum down, but I feel like that's where things can really shift in a game if a defense is able to shut an offense down on third down or force a turnover on third down. So I, that's one where the Bears have to be able to seize that opportunity. Even if they, they don't convert and they have to punt the ball weight, at least they're not turning it over on third down, which I think is a much more momentum shifter if they're able to get a turnover on third down rather than have to punt the ball away. That still allows momentum to go to Miami, but regardless, they didn't turn the ball over. It's a lot more manageable. The defense is going to be able to make up for it. Uh, so really just protecting the ball in all aspects. Uh, it was really just the big highlight I have just in the game in general, not just third down. But uh, like we said, they lead the league in interceptions. Jordan Howard, uh, Tariq Cohen really just have to be able to protect the ball if they're giving the ball in those third and long or third and short situations. So really just protecting the ball the whole the whole unit. Ball protection. I got to be. What about How about you, Mr. Moriano? Do you have anything else that you want to kind of bring to the table here? No, but I'll save. I was. I have a statistic that could apply here, but I'm going to bring it on to the other side of the segment here, so we can just head over that way. Dun dun dun. Interesting. <laughs> I'm excited for it. All right, guys. It's, it's. I know. All right, so it's time to find out who's going to be each of our X factors. And Nick, since you already passed in that last one, you have to go first. Do I have to? Because do. I don't want to get. I don't want to take anybody's. Go ahead. That's, Don't worry about it. All right. All right. So my X factor on offense and this one, I don't think anyone's picked this one yet. It's going to be Matt Nagy. Uh, I'm picking him to be my X factor because obviously Trubisky played a fantastic game against the Buccaneers. And, you know, we threw the ball to receivers that were open, but he, um, he utilized everybody except for Jordan Howard, which is unfortunate, but he <laughs> utilized everybody in that offense and the route combinations just absolutely destroyed the Buccaneers. Let's see what Matt Nagy brings out of the bye week. We don't know what he's going to do. I think this is a time for him to be creative. He took that extra time to maybe dive into a couple more plays in the playbook that maybe Mitch Trubisky wasn't comfortable with early on, but now he can bring him out now. So I'm just looking for Matt Nagy to bring a complete game, not just a first half, not a first quarter, third quarter, none of that, a complete game where it's just going to throw the defense uh, for the Dolphins, you know, off. And obviously there's some good players on that back end within the secondary, but I think Matt Nagy is going to be the X factor, just providing Mitch Trubisky with opportunities to make these big time throws. And, you know, having that happen is just going to equate to success for the bears offense. Absolutely. He had an extra week to self scout, you know, self reflect on what he did, right. What he did wrong throughout four games and to come out with a game plan that, you know, is his best one yet. And as a young head coach, as someone who's, you know, still getting used to calling plays here in Chicago improvement each week is going to be crucial and going to be keys. Now there may be setbacks and that's going to happen, but to learn from those mistakes um, and to continue to grow is going to be imperative. So yeah, I agree. A great time to be creative and work on some things that maybe they weren't comfortable with, but even maybe finding a few more things that um, could be strong suits. And he said um, after that Tampa Bay game that he's still, he kind of stashed some things after the score kind of got out of hand too. So if he, if, I don't know. He pulled out Willy Wonka. So if he's going <laughs> to stash some things, I'm interested to see exactly what those actually could be. What's in his pocket still that we can see down there in Miami this week. What about you, B? Who's your X factor? I just want to say, I think Matt Nagy's a good one. Nicky took mine. No, I'm joking, but I, <laughs> I, I legitimately don't think we've seen 
like even the tip of the iceberg as far as plays that Matt Nagy's got up his sleeve. Uh, but my ex- offensive X factor is going to be Allen Robinson. I alluded to this earlier. If he can beat his guy off the line one on one, because they're going to try and jam him every time, throw that timing off. If he can beat them off the line, run clean, solid, good routes, and be able to provide that security blanket that Trubisky likes uh, with him, we've seen in the a few games here in the past in the first couple weeks. Uh, then I think that it's really going to be a, a good game for both Trubisky and Allen Robinson because it's really just going to open up the offense for a bunch of other guys. Because once they see they're going to start targeting Allen Robinson a lot early in the game. You may not see him again because they double team him the whole time, leaving other guys open. So really getting Allen Robinson established really is going to be my X factor. Good stuff. Brandon, earlier you said. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. That Tariq Cohen was not going to have a biggest game as maybe some would think because of all the attention on him. So that's exactly why I'm going to make him my X-Factor this week. Because when you look at the Dolphins' defense, you know, one area uh, that teams have exploited all season long um, is using their shifty backs um, and, you know, especially in the passing game that allowed them to make plays in space. Uh, the Raiders did it really well. Jalen Richard, the Patriots with James White, Tennessee with Deion Lewis. You get the picture. The good news is Tariq Cohen, he averages more yards per reception than any of those backs. Right now for the season, Tariq Cohen's averaging 12.1 yards per catch. Now, I think this is an area where the Bears, Matt Nagy, can kind of get creative with Cohen, find ways to get him the ball and allow him just to do his thing. So with our inability to really get, get Howard going so far, which I know a lot of fans are hoping that this can be the game, that coming out party for Jordan Howard, especially with how Tampa kind of unfolded. This would be a great game to find, uh, to kind of show our trust in him a little bit and trying to really feed him the ball. You don't want to force feed anything, especially on offense. So I would be wary about that. I mean, I, I agree that, it would be really nice to see Jordan Howard have his first 100-yard game so far this season. Do I think it's possible? Yeah. Do I think it's likely? Maybe not so much. But regardless, I think Tariq Cohen's production is going to be very vital uh, to the offense this week because, like Brandon said, uh, Miami has a hard time you know, maintaining speed, containing speed, uh, playing with speed. Uh, they've struggled with it all year, and I think Tariq Cohen, Taylor Gabriel, both can be poised for a back to, you know, both of them played really well against Tampa Bay. So this could be another you know game in which both of them can be our top two performers on offense as well. All right, so it's time to find out who has the edge. And the first one up is the Bears' offensive line versus Miami's pass rush, which sounds like Mr. Trenches, but it's not. I'm going to give it to myself. All full of surprises today, Brandon. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it to the Bears' offensive line because, honestly, it's, it's pretty close, especially if Cameron Wake plays. Um, but, you know, because the Dolphins, they get pressure a lot. And it's a big reason why they forced some of those interceptions so far this year. But I have faith in our guys to kind of rise to the challenge here. They've been super sound all year long, and they took care of business against Tampa. I mean, the pocket was as big as can be that entire game. And you know they're a prideful group. And uh, coming out fresh after the bye, I anticipate them going up against a Dolphins defense, a Dolphins front, and just finding their way to do exactly that. Trubisky's been one of the least pressured quarterbacks in the league, and I don't see that changing anytime soon, especially here against Miami. So for me, I'm going to give the the Bears offensive line the edge here. Let's look at the Bears passing attack now versus Miami secondary. And Nick, this one's yours. Ooh, this one's a good one. Um, I think Miami's going to really try to look to stop the run because then you're allowing a, you know, a young quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, to kind of tear you apart. 
but I don't think that's going to happen. I think that, like I said, yes, these secondary players, uh, you know, and of course the linebackers as well have equated to having 10 interceptions, the most in the NFL right now. But a lot of those are gimmies. I mean, there were some good interceptions, but I think that the game plan that Matt Nagy is going to bring to this game is just going to have his guys in the best positions just to, you know, outrun these secondary players to exploit the middle of the defense. So I'm going to go with the Bears passing attack. I think Mitch uses everybody in this game. That's going to be, you know, the determiner of why the Bears passing attack beats that secondary for the Miami Dolphins. Determiner. Oh, I don't even know if that's, is that, that is a word, right? (laughs) I think so. Maybe It is. It is. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like a word. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like the Terminator. (laughs) Of course you were. All right. Brandon. Bears ground game versus Miami's run defense. Are we breaking out the brooms this week? You know what? I was thinking about it before the show started. Like, I really need to bring a broom for one of these episodes. As much as I say, break out the brooms because we're doing it again. Uh, I think that there's, outside of Akeem Spence, uh, the middle uh, defensive tackle for the Dolphins, uh, outside of Kiko Alonso, I mean, there's just not a whole lot of guys that really threaten a good run game in this one. So I think that the the Bears... uh, rushing attack is going to be able to to win this one pretty much i don't want to say with ease because we're not going to see them really established i don't think they're going to keep going with the hot hand in the passing game but if the running opportunities there uh the chance for the game to get established i don't think it'll be much of an issue to get the running game established all right good stuff guys i just want to say real quick before we uh call it halftime uh it's really fun talking about an offense we have confidence in because just look back at last year and at this point already we're kind of like I mean, Trubisky is getting, you know, getting ready to have his start. It was a little bit of a buzz. But then by the time we got a couple weeks in, we're kind of like, same old song, same old dance each week, what to expect. It's not going to be good. And now this year, it's entirely different. Like, we've had some moments where the confidence has kind of gone up and down. But overall, the trajectory is going up. And it's just very exciting as a Bears fan to have confidence in our offense, to have confidence in the direction that this side of the ball is going. And, of course, in the second half of the show, we're going to be talking about the best defense in the entire NFL, which is the Chicago Bears. Might be a... Uh, something that maybe most would want to argue in the NFL, but I'm sure most of our listeners can agree that the Bears do have uh, the best, if not of one of the best defenses in the league. But all right, real quickly, halftime. We're halfway through the show, so real quick, we're going to call a timeout, tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek, and then get back to business and talk about the Bears' defense. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, playing a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers, we have the SeatGeek apps on our phone, our devices. I check it out on the web a lot as well. And, you know, it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to purchase tickets. I'm personally a big fan of the values, as you know. I love that you can sort by value and instantly make sure that the tickets that you're looking for are the most worth it. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. And it doesn't just end with sports. SeatGeek, they have plenty of tickets to concerts, comedy, and theater too. Now, real quickly before the show, I checked SeatGeek about the Dolphins game. And tickets are starting to run thin. As you know, Bears fans, uh, they travel super well. And, of course, uh, two teams with winning records coming up here in week six. It's going to be a hot ticket. And we've been talking about this game for six months now. It's the game we're going to in. We've had a great time meeting fans all year long, whether it be at the Combine, training camp, down in Canton. Um, Nick got to meet some people at the game as well. Our live show for the you know week one preview uh, of over there at the Man Cave show as well. So no matter where we go, it's really cool to meet fans. I'm very excited to co-mingle with some more fans this week against Miami. And if you're still looking to possibly go to this game and 
you're still on the fence, I really encourage you just to go. They're going to be wearing orange. We're going to be there. We'd love to meet you as well. So there's still some amount, some tickets left. I'm not going to say a decent amount, but tickets are starting to run out, so definitely check it out. And, of course, if this game's on the mix, any other Bears game coming up this season, no matter home game and away game, check out SeatGeek as well. And the best word of all is that our listeners get $20 off that first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Alrighty, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined by my two Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. And the three of us are breaking down, or I should say previewing, this Bears Week 6 matchup against the Miami Dolphins. And we talked about the entire Bears offense, and it's time to kind of switch our sights and set our focus on the Bears defense that currently ranks second in the yards per game, second in points allowed per game, ninth against the pass, and first against the run. So just like our offensive discussion, let's go ahead and start by taking a look at the matchups in the trenches. Dolphins, they're down at least two starting linemen. Uh, Their starting center and left guard are out for the year. Uh, Their best lineman, their left tackle, uh, Laramie Tunsil, he's in concussion protocol, but he has returned to practice. So even though his... He's still in concussion protocols. Things are looking promising that he may be able to give this a go. But regardless, our guest on Tuesday said that the Dolphins, quote, can't block anybody. The line has given up nearly 50 pressures so far this year. And, of course, getting pressure is going to be key. Ryan Tannehill's passer rating this year is only 58.5, and he's only completing 46.4% of throws. And those numbers come when he's under pressure so far this season. So obviously there are just going to be matchups across the board that must have not just us, but also, of course, the Bears licking their chops. Looking at these battles in the trenches, I want to know which matchup do you find the most pivotal, and there is this one that you just assume that the Bears are going to just be able to dominate. And let's go to let's go to Brandon first, Mr. Trenches. All right, because I got a good answer for this one. So I was listening, I believe it was the Dolphins talk this morning. I listened to a couple of them uh, this morning, different podcasts, but I believe it was the Dolphins talk, the guys that we had on on Tuesday. And I believe one of them said that Sam Young leads the league in sacks and he's their backup right tackle. So my matchup is whoever lines up against Sam Young, especially if he's the league leader in sacks and he's playing offense. So I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, But definitely, I mean, Cleo Mack's definitely going to be able to uh, take advantage of that matchup hands down. And they'll they'll try and put him up against uh, Tunsil as well throughout the game, trying to show uh, uh, some respect, be able to keep some sort of balance of the pass rush. But even whoever lines up against Sam Young, I think even Aaron Lynch is going to be able to have a, a pretty good day. Uh, rushing from that right side but that does come from Tannehill strong sides so who's going to be able to see it coming so I guess it's a good thing for the Dolphins that Tunsil may be able to play uh, but regardless that's the matchup that I'm just going to probably be watching the entirety of the game what about you Nick how many strip sacks will Cleo Mag have this week <laughs> I have 10 fingers so 20 no um <laughs> man um I'm seeing this offensive line just to see who actually is starting for them right now and is, is Ted Larson the left guard is that what I'm seeing right now Ted Larson, starting left guard Larson. former Chicago Bear oh god poor poor Ryan Tannehill um so I think you know <laughs> that interior of the offensive line I think is where Akeem Hicks Eddie Goldman can really do some serious damage even bringing the linebackers in on blitzes but you know, I'm looking at that Ted Larson matchup and whoever's lining up in front of him, you know, good luck because Eddie Goldman is obviously familiar with him. Keem Hicks is going to be familiar. I mean, these guys are just playing at high levels right now. And I think that regardless of who lines up, this Bears defense is just playing so great together that this, I know they're missing a lot of pieces, but it, it's going to really uh, 
take its toll on them against this Bears front seven that can just attack you from all different sides. So I, I know I'm signaled out Ted Larson, but when you really look at it, even if Tunsil does play, it's still a tough matchup for this Miami uh, you know, offensive line, this Miami offense, just to go against the number one defense in the NFL. Yeah, I like Eddie Goldman going up against the backup center. I think Eddie Goldman, he's been playing very you know, quietly sound all year long. If you're not a dedicated Bears fan, it's something that's gone overlooked, at least if you're you know, listening to this podcast and you haven't been able to watch a ton of games. But Eddie Goldman, he's been playing uh, very well all year long. And yeah, Nick, just like you, that Ted Larson matchup, just because you know, Akeem Hicks, he should be on the other side, which you know, we'll, I want to get to his quote here in a minute that he had earlier today, and I want to know your thoughts on that. Um, but Ted Larson, maybe this is a game where Roy Robinson-Harris, John Bullard can find a way to make a little bit of an impact because uh, Larson, he's given up 10 pressures this season. He's only played 121 snaps so far, so a really good rate there, for, at least in the Bears' favor. And also, real quick, I'm really intrigued to see what uh, Bilal Nichols can do here too because uh, he's been very impactful with his limited reps, so if they give him a little bit more time, this could be a game to get him some more exposure, get him out there. And with the heat down in Miami, I mean, maybe fatigue, conditioning will play a factor. So you're going to really want to keep those guys fresh up front. So Bilal Nichols maybe getting some expanded playing time, uh, especially going up against a Ted Larson. Very intriguing matchup if you're a Bears fan. They're, they all are. They all really are all across the board, which, of course, very exciting stuff. But earlier this week or earlier today, I should say, uh, Keem Hicks are asking him about, you know, okay, you're not suspended. You get to go out there and play. What's the mindset? And I think, and I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was destroy, destroy everything. Was that right? I think that was right. That just is like Hulk-esque right there. Just, <laughs> you know, put it's, that is scary as like an offensive lineman hearing destroy, destroy everything. Like, no, you don't want that coming to Keem Hicks. And you got Cleo Magler and Floyd. That's just as an offensive lineman, you're just like, all right, well, whatever happens, happens. We have the Hulk coming out now, and that's not what you want to have as a, uh, you know, an opponent coming into this matchup. No, I'm excited. I love the mindset. I love both sides, you know, offense being aggressive, defense playing, you know, aggressive with a chip on their shoulder and an attitude. It's things are very exciting here in Chicago, and it's uh, really kind of sprung itself upon us and it's really fun to kind of just digest uh right along with everyone here listening but real quickly let's get I back wanna... to Tannehill. oh you got something brandon yeah i do because <laughs> i think this is a good time for it i've been holding the stat because uh, i really want to throw it in there with pass rushers but uh if you guys were to take a guess how many points the dolphins average in the first quarter of a game since adam gates took over what would you guess that that number is six two Two points in the first quarter since Adam Gates took over. So you said that the defense is playing aggressive with a chip on their shoulder. I mean, that chip's got to be huge because they're going to be looking at that and going, we can shut them out early and then shut them out for the entirety of the game because they don't score in the first quarter. So they're probably going to want to get after it really early. Like that really surprised me that they only averaged two points in the first quarter. Yeah. Wow. Two. Man, what does their, does their defense score for them? I mean, you know. <laughs> it's really weird to think about because, you know, they Adam Gates has a winning record there in Miami. So it's like, where do they get their points from if they don't do it in the first and then they give up? I mean, that's just one example last week, but they gave up 21 points in the fourth quarter last week. So it's just kind of curious to know where their points come from. I'm not complaining. Yeah, nope. no, we'll take it. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to Tannehill. It's been well reported that there is a good amount of frustration surrounding the six-year quarterback. Uh, he had a three-touchdown game against Oakland, but since he's had two very bad games, he's only averaging 142 yards per game in those. Uh, he's in... Throughout the last two contests, he's accounted for five turnovers, three interceptions, two fumbles. 
So what must the Bears do in order to keep Tannehill in check this week? And by keeping him in check, I mean uh, keep him playing like he has over the last two weeks and not so much the quarterback that they saw in weeks one and three uh, where he had a combined five touchdowns and no turnovers. Let's go to Nick. You know, I, I think they obviously just need to keep doing what they're doing, but in a sense, they really don't have to do much because I'm thinking to the Jets game where the Dolphins played them. Uh, someone came out of blitz, but they weren't nearly close to Tannehill, and he just loses the ball. He's about to throw it and it just slips out of his hand. Tannehill will make these boneheaded mistakes and, you know, just throw the ball in questionable places. I just don't think he's that great of a quarterback. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Back, obviously, being a former wide receiver in college and trying to make this transition, I don't think he's done a very good job with it. So for the Bears defense, just keep playing sound, keep getting after the quarterback, which we know they can do without bringing, you know, additional blitzers. So it's just playing that game that they played, you know, all the first four games of the season and then just allowing your front seven to disrupt him. He's going to make mistakes. And then you, you capitalize on those mistakes. The Tannehill is not going to be a guy that's I think can win you a game. So just keep him in check by pressuring him, having him to force throws down the field, which will ultimately end in the Bears' hands. Yeah, that really leads in exactly what I want to say here. I was on top of the pressure, which I believe is obvious and I believe is going to happen, which is going to help the Bears here. Uh, additionally, I want them to attempt to take anything away that's short and easy, those high percentage throws. You take those away, dare Tannehill to beat you with your with his arm and downfield, make some of those decisions, um, because so far this year when the Dolphins have been effective through the air, it's due to using screens, quick passes, especially to their speedy wideouts. Uh, so take away those high percentage throws. Uh, I mean, don't that would you know take away some of that confidence. Uh, Miami, they don't have a lot of size out wideouts. So the Bears' corners can play physical as well. But, yeah, just dare Tannehill to beat you over the top. Uh, should work in our favor because uh, he's really struggled so far this year and went attacking downfield. And, of course, Nick, like you mentioned, uh, the Bears' pass rush, they should be firing in. So he's not going to have a lot of time to allow those plays to develop. So I think those are going to be some pivotal keys here. B, anything else? Really just keep it in his hands uh, because Adam Gase has shown that he's going to abandon the run even when they're winning. Uh, because last week when the, the Dolphins were up 17 uh, I mean, it, they went way overload on passes throughout the entirety of the game and still ended up losing. So as long as you keep the ball in Ryan Tannehill's hands, I mean, I think that's kind of the, the gateway to a win from the sounds of it. <laughs> Just when, when you look at, you know, they I don't remember exactly what the split was, but it was way more passes than runs, and they're up 17 nothing. So, I mean, I, as long as you keep it in Tannehill's hands, I think that it really plays into the Bears' favor. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's go ahead and look at Miami's targets. The Dolphins, they do spread the ball rather well um, as the stats are relatively even across the board. Kenny Stills, he has 14 catches. Uh, Albert Wilson, 17. Jakeem Grant, 11. Uh, Danny Amendola, 16. Kenny and Drake, 17. So, as you can tell, the ball's you know distributed pretty evenly. Um, but don't forget, the Bears, they did a great job of taking down Tampa Bay on coming into that game, uh, that offense in Tampa with uh, Mitz, you know, uh, Fitz Magic was just, you know, the talk of the entire league. And the Bears found a way to just shut that down completely. So obviously the secondary coming off a game like that, their confidence is going to be high. Uh, but looking at these wide receivers, Stills, Wilson, Grant, Amendola, 
How do you think that the Bears secondary stacks up against this unit? And Prince Mukamara, he's still working his way back with a hamstring. It, it looks like Kevin Tolliver is going to be playing yet another game here. So what's your confidence level in him as well? So just throwing that all together. But Brandon, uh, I'll let you kick that off. When I when you look at a lot of these guys, I think of of speed is the the thing that really comes to mind for me. Uh, so open field tackling is really going to be a, a key in this one. We've seen Adrian Amos, my guy, unfortunately miss a couple uh, earlier this year, but I haven't really seen that be much of an issue uh, since then, like week two or three. Well, I guess that really is three quarters of the season so far for the Bears. But regardless, I mean, I don't remember too many open field tackles outside of Amos that have uh, been missed. Uh, Bryce Callahan does a very good job of being on his guy like as soon as the guy catches the ball. Uh, Cal Fuller typically isn't in a position where he's by himself. Uh, they typically have shown that they'll shy away from Cal Fuller uh, at this point. And they'll go and pick on Kevin Tolliver. So it's really going to be up to Tolliver uh, to match up on his guy and, and stick to him as close as he can because the open field tackling is going to be big because these guys are, are quick and elusive. So, I mean, they've got to be able to wrap him up as soon as the ball comes in. What about you, Nick? What are some of the keys to slowing down these guys? Does any one scare you more than the other? You know, I think I have to go with, well, it's a combination of Wilson and Grant. Those guys, I think what Adam Gase has tried to utilize a lot with them, just getting them in that middle of the field and then having them outrun like a linebacker, whoever's in coverage. And I know Wilson actually had a good touchdown against the Jets when doing that. It was a short pass, but he took it all the way for six just by utilizing that speed. So it's going to be really key for Bryce Callahan being that nickel corner to be able to mitigate what these guys can do in the middle of the field. And actually NFL matchups on ESPN tweeted out that the bears are the second best defense in the nickel personnel in yards allowed 4.8, which is just behind the first place Ravens with 4.2. So the bears have done a really good job of being a, when they're in the nickel coverage of just not allowing a lot of yards to happen. So I'm thinking if the bears can take that away from the Miami dolphins offense, they really don't do much because they like to spread it out. If they don't throw it in the middle of the field, it's towards you know the sidelines on these little curl routes, expecting these you know fast receivers to just win their matchups and then make a move upfield to get a big gain. But I just don't see that happening with Kyle Fuller. And if Prince Mukamura does play, doesn't play, Kevin Tolliver did a good job of keeping everything in front of him. And that's exactly what you want out of a young corner. So I'm just confident in the Bears secondary and defense as a whole to be able to take away what the Dolphins can do well and just be able to make them one-dimensional. And, you know, being one-dimensional in that Miami Dolphins offense is not a very good thing. Yeah. Speaking of one-dimensional stuff here, uh, rookie tight end, Mike uh, Gusecki, he hasn't really made much of an impact. His best game uh, looks like this. Here's the stat line. Three catches, 31 yards. That's it. That's his best game so far. Again, he's a rookie, so I'm not really harping on him. I'm harping on Miami. They don't have much of a presence at tight end in the passing game. And so far this year, the Bears, they've been in the middle of the road average when covering tight ends this season. Um, but Miami, again, they don't really present much of a threat here. So, Nick, real quick, um, how do you think that's going to impact the Bears' defense? Because it may enable Chicago to focus elsewhere instead of having to really worry or game plan to really stop a tight end. Yeah, I think they just that's just one less thing to worry about coming into the game plan. We don't really have to worry about these tight ends. I think Mike Gusecki's a really good player. He's a second-round draft pick for them, but they just have not utilized them well, which is strange. You know it can actually change that, though, Will if the Bears just left Deion Sims there and they can have him, and that's perfect. And they get a tight end they could throw to. It'd be perfect. Bears win, Dolphins win, and fans are happy. But no, to be, to be serious, like I don't think it's too much of uh, a challenge for this Bears defense because they just haven't proven they, they can be uh, you know, a matchup problem for an opposing uh, defense. So what you're trying to say is after the game, the Bears still Deion Sims that they're meeting for the bus at you know, like 10 minutes later than they actually are, and they leave him in Miami? 
That's that's exactly what they should do. I will be uh, hopefully I'll be at the airport at the time like Dion and then they just kind of fly off and he can't ever get home, which uh-huh. because there's no other flights that exist. Apparently. I'm sure he still has a home down there. <laughs> so yeah. okay. I think he will. <laughs> All right. So let's transition over to uh, Miami's rushing attack. They're 21st in the NFL, only averaging 96 yards per game on the ground. And like I mentioned earlier, the Bears defense, in case you forgot, I just got to say it again. They are the top ranked run defense in the entire league, only allowing 64 yards per game. And fun fact, knock on wood if you're uh, if you're biased some, we are the only team that has not allowed a rushing touchdown so far this season. Miami, uh, they've been splitting carries between veteran Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake. Uh, Gore, he leads the team in carries with 47 and yards per rush with 4.3. Uh, but Drake, he's not too far behind him. So it seems like the Bears shouldn't have much of an issue uh, really whatsoever when it comes to Miami's rushing attack. But Brandon, uh, how do you see the shaking out and why? One guy that I'm really keeping an eye on as far as running backs is Kenyon Drake, uh, because Frank Gore is quite the opposite of him, and I believe he's going to be one that starts this game. Uh, because Frank Gore is a really good running back, historically a really good running back, just a downhill guy, uh, going to use uh, what's-his-face, I can't think of his name, uh, Boomer from ESPN, you know, he's going to rumble, stumble, and bumble down the field, you know, because <laughs> that's just kind of his running style, you know. Uh, but Kenyon Drake, he's a guy that's going to be able to receive the ball out of the backfield, and he's he's a little quicker. He's going to be able to get to that edge. So he's that that change of change of pace back that I think is really going to throw the Bears for a loop if they're not uh, prepared, which I doubt. I think they're going to be ready uh, to see it, especially after the, the game that he had last week. There was uh, a run play that he had where he took it off the left edge, and, I mean, just the hole was wide open for him to run it into the end zone. So... Ultimately, I think that they're going to be ready for both these guys, but Kenyon Drake's going to be the guy that really changes the pace for this offense. When he's in there, expect the offense to move a little bit faster. What about you, Nick? What's your confidence level in the Bears to contain this run? I think they should be able to handle it pretty uh, easily, honestly, because Kenyon Drake's a guy. I mean, I picked him up in fantasy because I thought he was going to be good, but they just have not utilized him correctly. Frank Gore has been really uh, the more effective back on the ground, which is, uh, I mean, just one of those guys that I guess doesn't really age and he's right. doing it pretty well right now. Um, but yeah, I just don't see it. The one aspect in the running game that the bears need to be aware of is Ryan Tannehill, because there's been times when it's third down situations where he'll just get outside the pocket and run. I mean, obviously having that former wide receiver background in his, uh, you know, in his repertoire there that he can just go and run it and he's not uh, afraid to do that. So I think that's where the bears need to, that's the biggest concern going to this one, just Ryan Tannehill extending drives by doing it with his leg, getting outside the pocket, because he definitely can do that. I know the first play of the game against the New England Patriots, he actually gets outside and runs for a 20-yard gain. So in terms of stopping the run, that's what I'm most concerned about, the quarterback running. And I know that Adam Gase and the Miami Dolphins offense are not going to want him doing that a lot of, but that's the most concerning thing for me. Good nugget there. Uh, real quickly, uh, just looking at the rest of my notes, uh, on third down and red zone trips per game, uh, Miami's offense ranked 29th in both of those categories. The Bears defense, seventh best on third down and still the best in the league at keeping teams out of the red zone. So I have pretty high confidence that the Bears defense is going to be able to not just get off the field, but also kind of keep Miami out of that quote unquote money zone. But is there anything else in your notes that you guys want to bring up, Nick? Yes. So I alluded to this earlier in the podcast, the one nugget I wanted to bring up later. So um, according to Warren Sharp's football preview, um, the Dolphins were 5-0 in 2017 with a neutral turnover battle, but they were 0-9 when they lost the turnover battle. Right now, this season, this year, they won the turnover battle three times. They have three wins. When it was neutral, they lost. They lost it. When they lost the turnover battle, they lost. That equates to the two losses that they have this season. So I just think all the injuries that they have in allowing Tannehill to try to make plays, it's just going to have 
more opportunities for these Dolphins to really make more mistakes. And when they sh- they've shown already this season and last season, if they're behind in the turnover battle, they can't win games. So I think with this Bears defense has been causing turnovers left and right. I think that's just going to, you know, it equals success for the Bears defense and then the Dolphins offense to initially just implode on themselves. Great stuff. And just to add a little bit more insight to that, too, uh, the Bears defense, they have the second most takeaways in the league with 11. Miami, they have the fifth most turnovers on offense with nine. So a great opportunity for the Bears to not just add to their takeaway total, but also win the turnover battle, and which would put them, like Nick said, in a great position to come away with the win here. What about you, B? As much as I'm licking my chops in this game to watch the defense just take over, uh, bring me back down to earth a little bit. Uh, the Dolphins do play a lot better at home than they average 28 points at home this year. Uh, I don't know what, what the difference is. Uh, home comfort, obviously things of that nature, home field advantage. Uh, but regardless, don't take this Dolphins offense too lightly uh, because they do put up more points at home than they do on the road. So just something to keep in mind as I'm sitting here trying not to overly brag about this Bears defense, which is incredibly hard to do. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, guys, time to find out who's going to be our X-Factors heading into this game. Brandon, right back to you. Who's your X-Factor? Eddie Jackson, uh, because, I mean, the Dolphins, they've thrown five interceptions this year. He threw two of them last week. And if he can get the ball rolling with an interception, really, then it just becomes an incredibly tough hill for Miami to climb, especially with the stat that Nick just threw out there right before I gave my X-Factor. So, Eddie Jackson, uh, get in there, get an interception in this one. Okay, Thief. My X factor, <laughs> Eddie Jackson. I have him as well because I think, you know, you can look at the front seven, you can look at a Cleo Mack, you can look at a Leonard Floyd and Akeem Hicks, and you can give them, you can make a really strong argument for them to be the X factor too. Um, but I think that their matchups are so favorable. It would, you know, not as much as an X factor, but more to me this week, them having big games is going to be more of like an expectation. So for me, Eddie Jackson's the X factor because the defensive front they should be able to get all sorts of pressure on Tannehill. Um, that's going to really allow him to start becoming reckless with the football, as we've seen in the past, um, and make some throws, or at least try to make some throws uh, that he shouldn't be trying or shouldn't be making. So if Jackson can kind of keep everything in front of him, uh, make sure that the defense doesn't get torched deep, that's great because I'd be confident that the Bears' defense will be able to keep points off the scoreboard. And of course, like Brandon alluded to, uh, Eddie Jackson, he has a knack of making plays on the ball. So, you know, one or two interceptions in the game can go a long way. And I'm just trying to think the last time that all three of us was at a Bears game, he had uh, two very long touchdowns against Carolina last week, or last year, I should say. Not last week. That would have been a very long week. But uh, <laughs> Nick, over to you. Who's your X Factor? We can always say Khalil Mack every game, but I'm going to go with Danny Trevathan for this one. I think, you know, what his job is going to entail on Sundays, one, just uh, chasing Ryan Tannehill, because I think he will run it uh, more times than not in this game because there's just going to be pressure. He's going to have to get outside the pocket. Danny Trevathan's going to be the one, the guy chasing him. And I said earlier in the podcast, when Adam Case is not attacking the sidelines, he likes to have those receivers go in the middle of the field, try to utilize those speedy receivers. Well, if the Bears are playing zone coverage, that's where Danny Trevathan's going to be, trying to get anything that's underneath him, make that, like Brandon was saying earlier, make those wrap-up tackles. So Danny Trevathan's also going to be utilized there. And obviously Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake. I know the Dolphins are going to want to try to establish some kind of running game, even though it's not going to happen. And a big factor in that happening is when the defense alignment are occupying their guys, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith are the free-roaming guys that go inside and just make those wrap-up tackles. So Trevathan just needs to shut everything down, and he's definitely capable of it. I know there's a lot on his plate, but there's always a lot on Dan Trevathan's plate, and he usually is able to um, just fulfill everything he needs to do 
come Sunday. So I think Dan Trevathan is going to be the X factor. All right, good stuff. Now it's time to find out who has the edge on defense. And first up is going to be Nick. And Nick, I'm going to give you the Bears secondary versus that Dolphins pass attack. I have to go with the Bears secondary. I know that the Dolphins have some speedy guys, but uh, this Bears secondary is playing a lot better than it has. And A. Jackson is becoming one of those, I think, Pro Bowl safeties in this league right now, just playing phenomenal. And I just don't think there's going to be a lot of time for Ryan Tannehill, to be completely honest. So I'm going to have to give it to the Bears secondary. All right, so I'm going to go next. I'm going to give myself the Bears run defense versus the Dolphins ground game. And honestly, how can you go against a defense that allows less than 70 yards per game on the ground? Miami's banged up offensive line. They're going to have a hard time really reaching the second level against a defensive line that's as prominent as the Bears have been. So, you know, you look at Hicks, Mack, Goldman, Trevathan, Roquan Smith. It's going to just be too much to handle, and they're going to contain these backs just like they have all season. So for me, easy one here. Bears run defense has the edge, which means it's time to go over to Brandon here, who gets the biggest cakewalk of the entire preview show. <laughs> Bears pass rush, Dolphins offensive line, bringing out the broom. I already know it. Destroy. Destroy everything. I need two brooms for this one. I mean, the, the Dolph- Dolphins offensive line, they're down a couple guys. Just all this pressure that the Bears bring without blitzing guys. Uh, if I'm Adam Gase, I don't know that I'm getting a whole lot of sleep this week or Dal Loggins for that matter, because I can bring up his name and not have to feel bad about it anymore because we get to play him. So uh, I actually thought we would go through a whole episode without saying his name, but there I go. I ruined it again. So uh, Bears, <laughs> Bears passing it or Bears rush defense on this one. Bears pass rush <laughs> versus Dolphins offensive line. Bears pass rush have this one. I got so excited I couldn't even say it. So bring out two brooms. He did it. <laughs> I got through it. <laughs> Woo. All right, guys, real quickly, a uh, quick hit on special teams. Uh, this Lately, we've been going around a horn, just kind of bringing up one thing we're paying attention to. For me, I'm going to begin because I don't want you guys to take it. Uh, so for me, uh, <laughs> Cody Parkey's return to Miami. Uh, I heard there can be some strong winds, even though it's supposed to be sunny. It might be some strong winds, so that's something to keep an eye on as well. But just his return going to Dolphins, where he had his best year as a pro, uh, going back there, I know our guests, that used stole, we stole the, uh, Parkey from them because we paid him a little bit more than they are willing to. Uh, I'm glad he's here. He seems to be, you know, the best kicker we've had since number nine, Robbie Gold. So for me, just his return to Miami. What about you, B? The Dolphins got a blocked kick last week. So don't take your field goals or extra points lightly if your Cody Park is. They have shown that they are able to get in there and block a kick. Good, good observation. What about you, Nick? Uh, just got to be able to c- contain Jakeem Grant. He's a guy that has that elite level speed. If he can get to the outside, just like a Tariq Cohen, he can definitely, you know, hurt you uh, in the special teams aspect. So Jakeem Grant's a guy that I'm just going to be watching out for, for the Bears uh, covering unit. Good stuff. All right, guys, it's time to wrap up the show by handing out some predictions for the week. So to begin, what's going to be your week six bold prediction? And let's go to Nick. So I think Jordan Howard gets his first 100-yard game and also adds three touchdowns. That's bold. Yeah, it is. Three touchdowns. Has, so. he ever had, has he had a three-touchdown rushing game? I think so. Maybe one. Was that maybe the 49ers game uh, mm-hmm. a couple years back when it was snowing? I think that's when he – maybe. Yeah. Well, as Brandon goes, I'm going to look this up. So, Brandon, what's going to be your bold prediction? Well, I was hoping you'd go because Nick took mine and one up me. I said Jordan Hart gets two rushing touchdowns in this one, but he up me with three. <laughs> uh, so, I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball. And since, uh, well, both our X-Factors were Eddie Jackson – I think I'm going to say Eddie Jackson gets not one, but two pick sixes in this one. Good stuff there. Uh, still loading up the search results, but I still have a bold prediction to hand out while we're doing this here. For me, my bold prediction, 
Sherrick McManus is going to block a field goal, and the Bears will return it for a touchdown. Orange jersey magic. You know, he's been close this season when you watch him. Sherrick McManus, he has been very close to getting a blocked field goal. I think he gets one this Sunday. And the Bears, they seem to have some great plays in these orange uniforms in the past, especially on special teams. So for me, I'm looking at Sherrick McManus, someone who uh, I think he was here the last time we wore him. So that's crazy. Is Marcus Cooper on that special teams unit? Marcus Cooper is still out with a hamstring. Good. Okay. That's kind of really because he was, you know, kind of the last one to take a block field goal back. So, true. Well, we're not talking about that. And that wasn't a touchdown. That's so. why I, I, you didn't say he was going to scoop it up. He, he just said he took he it walk. back, just not all the way. I mean, so it's <laughs> yes. not wrong. I, there was a cool bold prediction in the chat. It was from Shadow four five eight two three zero. Make sure I got that right. But. And three of the four games the Bears have played, the starting quarterback has, you know, been benched for some point because they got injured or they've just played horribly. He said, Tannehill gets benched. I don't know who their backup is. Ooh, but is Brock Osweiler? You know who it is? It's oh. David Fails. Oh, is it Fails? Or is, or is it Osweiler? Osweiler? They're in the same yeah. spot on the depth chart, so we might get so, to see David Fails. We might see a backup quarterback. <laughs> I would, honestly, that wouldn't surprise me if that bold prediction came true. I mean, we've already seen three quarterbacks leave the game. Uh, from playing the Bears defense, so wouldn't be too surprising. And real quickly, I have the results here. Nick, great memory. Only three touchdown game of his career is 2016 against San Francisco. Is that well December done. 4th, too? Because that's my birthday. I think that's why I remember that, that game. So That so is well. your birthday. Happy birthday, oh, that's man. That's why. Yeah. yeah. No, and Jordan well, Howard and I share a birthday, months. so there's that. Oh, that is all full, full circle, right? That's what this is all about. <laughs> More like a square. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, who's going to be the MVB? And I'm going to begin because I went last for the bold prediction. For me, my MVB, uh, he was my X factor on offense. It's going to be Tariq Cohen. I think he's going to find a way to have 150 all-purpose yards and a score. And like I mentioned earlier, there should be some matchups that he really should and can win. So I expect his speed to just have Miami sweating and reeling all game long. So for me, Tariq Cohen, 150 all-purpose yards, at least one score, ending up being the MVB. I know he was Brandon's MVB. Uh, after the Tampa game. So, Brandon, over to you. Who's going to be your MVB heading into this week? Your prediction. I'm going to do a bold MVB on this one. I'm going to go John Bullard. The Florida native goes back, is able to to take care of business in this game because I think he's going to be able to get his matchups against Sam Young and be able to create havoc. And we'll say, you know, it's kind of a coming out party for him, hopefully. So, I think John Bullard's going to be a guy that makes a bigger impact in this one. All right, I'll order the cake. Oh, we'll be at the game. That's going to be a really melted <laughs> cake. <laughs> Didn't think that one through. Um, so, Nick, how about you? Um, uh, so I'm torn. I'm going to go with Bryce Callahan as my MVP because I think a lot what the Dolphins are going to want to do is going to be with those speedy receivers, Grant and Wilson, in the middle of the field. And Bryce Callahan's been a guy who's locked on to whoever he's guarding. So I think if the Dolphins want to have success, it's going to have to come through those receivers. But if the Bears are going to combat that, it's going to be because Bryce Callahan's having a really good game and obviously a mixture of the entire defense. But Bryce Callahan's going to be my MVP. Earning that long-term contract in this offseason is Bryce Callahan. All right, guys, it's time to find out who's going to win this game, what our predictions are going to be for that. And real quickly, our records for the year, 3-1. and one, So I'm sure everyone knows that means we always pick the Bears. Uh, <laughs> apparently this year, that was not the case the past couple of years. So this year, things have changed, and I'm curious. Uh, it seems like we're pretty confident in this game, so I doubt this is going to change. But we have to do it for uh, you know official purposes. So, Nick, you're first. Who's going to win the game? What's going to be the score? What's your what's your thought here? So the Bears are going to win the game. It's going to be 28 to 17. But I will say this. 
uh, this is not the first time that the Dolphins have faced adversity. Just look back to last season. Their offensive line was the second most injured in the NFL. Team overall was the third most. Tannehill tore his ACL week one in training camp. You have to have Jay Cutler start. Week one against the Bucks was canceled because of a hurricane. They don't even get a bye week last year, and they still ended up getting six wins. So I know we're really confident in this game, and I am too. But I think this one might be a little closer in the beginning than we were all kind of expecting it to be. Because this is, again, a team that was still able to win six games more than the Bears last season, despite all those things that happened uh, in the season last year. But I still think the Bears win 28-17. to 17. Just in the fourth quarter, they kind of just uh, take this lead and run away with it. But, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a little closer, though. All right. What about you, B? Uh, I'm going to kind of counter Nick's point because all that was last year. This is this year. Uh, Dolphins were undefeated uh, going into New England to play them and then got demolished. So maybe they're not uh, as keen to adversity this year as they were last year. Uh, but I do have the Bears winning this one, 24-14. to 14. Dolphins give up uh, about 23 points a game, so I have the Bears getting them to that average. Uh, we've seen them put up 24 points before against a pretty average defense. Dolphins defense is pretty much right in the middle of the road. And I just really don't know how the Dolphins offense even gets uh, thinking about starting in this one. Uh, I love the confidence coming from all of us in this defense. So for that reason, I only have the Dolphins uh, scoring 14 in this one. Bears win 24 to 14. Great. Well, I have the Dolphins losing in this game to the Bears. (laughs) (laughs) 17 to 10. I have a very low scoring game. Uh, I expect this one to be a, a defensive battle. I think the Bears defense, like Brandon said, I doubt. There's any really remote possibility. I mean, there's a possibility any given Sunday. Um, but really, the Bears defense should, by large, be able to take care of this Dolphins offense. Uh, but the Bears offense, I expect them to come out just a little bit rusty after a bye. I know we're excited about the potential, but putting up 48 points against the worst secondary in the NFL, and now you're going up against a decent one, there's another curve. And I know Trubisky is all about learning each week, growing each week, and we'll see. I hope he can prove me wrong. I mean, 17 points isn't awful, especially if you're going to give up 10, but... I think the Bears win it. They don't score as much as we would like to see down there in Miami. But uh, 17-10 is going to be mine. A little bit of a more low-scoring game. But don't let that deter uh, my confidence in this game because I have some decent confidence that the Bears should and will win this game. And before we get to fan poll results, guys, I want to know, what's going to be your confidence meter and your final thought of this game? So scale 1 to 10, where's your confidence? And, of course, wrap up your thoughts for this game preview. Let's go to B first. I don't remember exactly what the stat is, what Andy Reid was off a of bye week, but Ben Nagy coming off a, a bye week, I think he follows a similar trend and gets his first win off a of bye week. Uh, so I've got it at a nine. I think Matt Nagy, you know, I don't think he took this one lightly, didn't didn't take that week off, didn't go to Miami early. I think he, he really studied this team and, and watched him real closely. I think he's got a really good attack coming. So I, I give it a nine for conference. Nice. I'll take a nine. What about you, Nick? I'll give it an eight and a half. I'm still confident that the Bears are going to win. I just think it'll be a little closer, like I said, early on. But yeah, eight and a half is uh, the confidence mirror going into this one. Any final thoughts? That's kind of brief. Oh, sorry. Yeah, final thoughts. Uh, I was just actually kind of thinking about it. This has nothing to really do with the game. I think I might go buy an arm sleeve. You know, just wear it to the game. We have our shirts. I'll wear an arm sleeve. Get that trend going. That Bears fans will maybe start wearing arm sleeves to every single Bears game. I think I like it. Or maybe it's just, just me. Nah, it may be just you. <laughs> Watch, you'll catch on eventually. Everyone's going to see he's going to have another six-touchdown performance, Mitch, and then everyone's going to start buying our bands. And I could say I started it, so that will be kind of cool. Hey, you have proof. You have proof in the <laughs> podcast. At least you mentioned it here before Before that sensation takes off. You know, it's a new headband here in Chicago, right? Uh, Jim McMahon, he had the headband. Trubisky's going to mm-hmm. do the arm sleeve. I, I like it. Maybe I want to buy one and wear it at the game. 
<laughs> but <laughs> not making fun, Nick. I like the idea. I like the creativity <laughs> you bring into the table. It just it has me laughing. I, I can't explain why. It's a I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's a determinator. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Go. Ahead. I think someone put that in the chat. The determinator, whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. Start it that lives. too. <laughs> All right. So real quickly, my confidence meter. I'm at a nine, right along with Brandon. I think you know if the Bears really want to turn the page, uh, we need to come out and get the dub after the bye week. We've been accustomed to some post bye flops over the last handful of years, and we need to make sure not to overlook this offense team because they are capable. Um, and they're coming off of two straight losses, so you better believe they're going to be fighting. They know that they're trending in the wrong direction. They want to kind of turn their season around too, but the Bears are the better team, and they seem to have a much improved mindset each and every week, and I expect them to be mentally tough after a bye. Um, I want them to go out there and get their first four-win streak since 2012. You know, that would be quite the accomplishment. You know, orange jerseys, look good, play good mentality. Throw out the arm sleeves here in the crowd, so I can't wait to see Nick bring that to Miami, but <laughs> let's go. And I know there's going to be some uh, lucky charms like us in attendance. I saw Jonathan Woods going down to Miami right now. He's on a plane down there, Ooh. so we might get to meet up with Jonathan again, which is exciting. And, of course, all the Bears fans that we're meeting uh, down in Miami, too. It's going to be a lot of fun to you know take over that uh, Section 356 down there in Hard Rock Stadium. And real quick, too, uh, the podcast poll. Who wins on Sunday? Bears, Dolphins, 97% of voters have the bears beating the Dolphins, so bears fans are confident confident in this team and it's exciting it really is i thought that would have been a close a little bit closer than 97 to 3 but i'll take 97 percent of bears fans uh believing that the bears should get a win just uh hopefully the bears again the thing about the bears is this year uh, I, I just love the mindset they have i don't think they're going to overlook this team i don't think they're going to walk in here thinking it's going to be a cakewalk or an easy win they're going to go out there respect the opponent and give it their all and not play down to the competition so for me I'm excited to see what the Bears can do after a bye. I really am. For me, I had, what, 17-10? I still wouldn't be surprised if the offense really builds upon what they did last week. Not 48, but like uh, that 24. That 24 is a good mark to reach as well. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode. If you haven't checked out our Meet the Dolphins show, I highly encourage you to do so. It was some great firsthand insight from the DolphinsTalk.com daily podcast. And I want to thank all of you here watching live uh, throughout YouTube, over you know, 100, 150 at some point. I know there's Thursday night football going on, so I appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to join us for this live show. And, of course, to the thousands of podcast listeners worldwide, you know, no matter where you are, where you reside, in the United States, in Chicago, outside in some, uh, you know, another country like Australia, get some fans from the U.K. as well. It's, uh, it's really cool getting to know uh, all of you who have reached out about this show. It's really neat, and I just want to say I appreciate you. You know, all the Bears fans worldwide, that's what we're here for. We're here to help you and uh, help you connect to your favorite team. Up next, our Will Ingles is going to go ahead and hand out his five matchups of the week. And, of course, soon after that, I will walk you through my three keys to victory as the Bears brothers head to Miami this weekend. Can't wait to see you guys there, Brandon and Nick, uh, down there in Miami in just two short days. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring 
then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. 